What's up everybody? It's Dan from Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office. Uh, still a little chilly. You might hear the heater running in the background. Um, but yeah, it is a kind of gray, gloomy morning here in uh, Central Oregon. So yeah, uh, I've been out, missed a couple of weeks because uh, I've been on the road hauling stuff around and all that. So if you follow me on Instagram or any of the socials, you probably saw me out picking up stuff and putting a million miles on the black truck, which is doing great, by the way. Um, but putting a million miles on it means I'm spending a fortune in fuel. And uh, currently, uh, April 3rd, 2022, Diesel in my town is like 550-ish. Uh, and then on the road, I saw in Washington, it was uh, 599 in a couple of stations. So, um, yeah, uh, regular uh, unleaded was a little bit cheaper than that. But that brings me to today's topic which uh, it's going to make you laugh when I say it, but we're going to talk about fuel economy. Um, I know a lot of you guys really enjoy driving your trucks, and the difference between driving and not driving them is the cost of fuel. Well, if we could make them a little more efficient, uh, then you might still be able to drive them more regularly. Um and it's still cheaper than a $60,000 Tesla. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even uh, a new gas-powered truck, it's, they're not getting that great of mileage. Uh, you know, you look at a Tahoe or a Suburban, and they're getting 16, 18 miles to the gallon, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more going on in those rigs with all the safety stuff and and uh, you know just creature comforts and and everything like that they're they're a very heavy car um and you know those engines have to have performance because people want to be able to do you know zero to 60 from the stoplight in a nine thousand pound car so they get terrible mileage but what i'm getting at is that if you're okay with a little less creature comforts and getting the same mileage as a new Yukon or Tahoe, then, uh, you know, then I would consider driving the international. So, I mean, the first thing that you can look at as far as getting better economy is just the stupid, simple stuff. Like, are all of your tires inflated correctly? Uh, you know, are they inflated to the proper PSI? Uh, you know, just having poor rolling condition can can suck the economy down. I mean, you try and push a scout in the driveway that's on, you know, tires with 10 pounds of air in them, and then you try and push that same scout with 40 pounds in the tires, and it rolls. It's incredible how much easier it is to push with the aired-up tires. So, uh, you know, that's the first thing. Just make sure your tires are... Uh, 
aired up, good. Make sure your alignment is correct. Uh, if you're tired, if your front end is too towed in, it's going to create uh, friction going down the road. And, uh, it, you know, it's going to be harder to push. So, again, make sure your alignment is good. Most uh, alignment shops, you know, or at least out here, they're between 80 and $100 to do an alignment. So not not bad, you know, it's a, a tank of fuel. So if you do that, it might save you some fuel going down the road. The next thing I would look at is wheel bearings and brakes. Um, if the brakes are dragging at all, um, there, there should be a little bit of, you know, on drum brakes, if you jack the rig up and you spin the tire, there should be a, a real faint, you know, sh 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 noise when you run the wheels around, you know, it shouldn't, if it, if it does go shush, 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 then something's warped, but you should hear a, you know, a, a slight shoe on drum rubbing sound. And same with the, um, rotors up front. If you have disc brakes, there will be a very slight sound and drag from those just because that's how they, how they function. Uh, what you don't want is to have to like labor. If you have to work to turn the tire uh, to even hear if it's dragging, then you've got some other, something else is, is slowing the wheel down. Um, you know, you're going to have some drag or, you know, uh, some, it's going to take some effort to turn the back tires. That's just how it is. Cause you've got the differential and all that stuff. Your front tires, if the hub is unlocked, if you're a four wheel drive, um, or a two-wheel driver, and you spin that wheel, it should make, you know, a revolution on its own, um, you know, with no, with nothing slowing it down. Um, so you might want to look into that. Um, but yeah, the bearing, uh, wheel bearing grease should be fresh uh, and not overdone. Uh, you know, I see these guys will pack, wheel hub will be, completely packed front to back full of fuel or fuel full of grease and uh and that just creates problems in itself too much grease can create its own problems with heat and drag and you know all that kind of thing so it's important to have well lubricated bearings but you can overdo it um so Try to hit a happy medium in there with the grease, um, you know, and then again with the bearing preload, uh, follow the, the steps in the manual. Um, you don't want them too tight. Uh, too tight causes all kinds of problems besides um, fuel economy. So, you know, loose a loose bearing, uh, a loose bearing preload is a little bit better than too tight. So, um you know, that's what uh, I would recommend on the front. On the rear, you know, if you have a, a semi-float axle like a Scout 2 or half-ton pickup, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. You've got a set 10 bearing in there, uh, and it's you're at the mercy of the whatever it's set at. Um, if you have a full float, uh, it's like the front end, and you can you can actually set the bearing preload with the um, with the axle nuts and. So, you know, a little loose 
and then again with the full float rear it, it has gear oil to lubricate it instead of grease uh, so it, it rolls pretty smooth on its own but I will tell you if you do take the rear end apart uh, and you go to put it back together put grease on the bearings um, first so that the time it takes for the gear oil to make it to the bearings they are protected um, because I've seen guys put the bearings in dry thinking that the gear oil will make it down there and lubricate the bearings and what happens is, is they drive it 40 or 50 miles and burn the bearings up uh, because the oil doesn't make it down there that fast it takes time for the gear oil to get down there so you got to put some grease on those bearings uh, to protect them while you're waiting for the gear oil to get down there. But anyway, um, so yeah, so ease of, uh, you know, wheel turning. That's another cheap thing to check. Uh, the fluid in the rear end. Um, synthetic oil seems to have a little bit better, um, a little less drag. And in the differentials, you can get away with synthetic gear oil um, unless you have like an old power lock. Um, I wouldn't use synthetic if you've got a power lock rear end. Uh, so, and then, you know, U-joints. Make sure your U-joints are, you know, not tight and binding up and, you know, that they're good and greased and, uh, that the drive shaft spins free. Um, you don't want any drag there. Same with the transfer case. Make sure that your output bearings, make sure everything turns good and easy. Uh, it's well lubed and not super tight. Um, and then, uh, you know, once you've gone through all that, um, you know, that's all kind of the cheap, easy stuff as far as rolling resistance goes. Uh, once the truck rolls good on its own uh, with you know ease of ease of movement, then you start looking at the engine itself and as far as the tune and uh, and whatnot goes. So you know obviously spark plug wires, spark plugs, distributor cap, rotor, all that stuff needs to be in good shape, you know, new or within the last 30,000 miles. Um, you can ruin spark plugs pretty fast with a poorly tuned engine. So, you know, the, the thing that's really important is make sure that your timing is correct. You've got, you know, eight to 10 degrees of advanced timing. I, we like to tune a lot of these here at about 10 uh, before top dead. Uh, if you're going to be towing a lot, it's a 392 and the guy, you know, pulls a trailer or whatever, we run more like eight um, just to keep any detonation down. But, um, you know, a scout that doesn't really pull anything, 10 degrees is is a safe number. Um, you know, and then we do a lot of tuning with a vacuum gauge. So, you know, you end up um, hooking up the vacuum gauge and then you know you slow the idle down and then speed the timing up until you get it to where the um, timing really doesn't have an effect on engine speed anymore 
and then you finished your idle adjustment from there. Um, so sometimes your timing might be a little more, you might be at 12. Um, but if that timing adjustment creates detonation when you drive it under a load, like pulling a hill or pulling a trailer or something, then, um, then you've got to slow that timing down and speed the idle back up. But, um, anyway, doing stuff like that, little tune stuff, making sure all your, you don't have any vacuum leaks, make sure that, you know, all of your, your systems are operating like they should, um, that goes a long ways towards economy as well. Um, good ignition system, you know, Pertronics, the bare minimum, um, you know, anything to make a hotter spark to burn the fuel more efficiently. Um, you know, good engine oil. That's another one. You know, we run a little bit heavier oil. We run the 1540 in, uh, all of the stuff that we do with a zinc additive and, um, you know, I think a 30 weight straight 30 is what the manual recommends. It's what, um, you know, they ran for years. You could probably get away with that too. I think we use the diesel oil just because I don't know, makes me feel a little bit better. It's got some other stuff in it, but I don't know. I'm not an oil expert. You know, a lot of this stuff is not scientific. It's just my feelings about things and, and the way I do stuff. And, you know, I get lots of messages from people that are like, you're an idiot and only a moron would do that. But, you know, it seems to work for us. Uh, so we just keep running with it. Uh, but uh, again, you know, just making sure everything is tuned as good as possible. The carb is adjusted up, you know, um, the fluids in the transmission transfer case are the correct ones at the correct level. Uh, then the other thing is, you know, how much does the rig weigh? Are you constantly hauling around a bunch of garbage? Do you have junk in the bed all the time that you don't really need? Is it, you know, like you, you knock a couple hundred pounds out of a rig in junk and whatnot, and it, it makes a difference. Um, so making sure the truck is clean and, and all that. So that's, you know, that's the first stage in economy uh is making sure just everything is working like it's supposed to and uh and you don't have any parasitic drag so then you know the next step is looking at different um economy uh fuel delivery for economy so like a uh, holly sniper um you know we've seen We've seen some scouts come in here that were getting 12, 13 miles to the gallon on a carburetor and then roll out on a sniper and get 14 to 16 miles to the gallon with no other uh, adjustments other than the sniper. And you can get there with a carburetor too um, if you want to spend a bunch of time with jetting and um, it, it, you know, and that kind of tuning. And that's possible. I've had a couple of trucks. My red truck, it gets 14 to 15 with the 304 and, and all that. Um, but it also, you know, I don't tow with it anymore because the black truck is up. And 
and all that. So, um, you know, it's, it's possible to get there, to get closer with a car, but I think, uh, an injection system is going to be the, the end all of, uh, economy in the original engine, um, because of just how it has the various sensors to monitor fuel delivery and, and whatnot, um, to make it run just as perfect as can be. You know, it adjusts for air temperature and altitude and, and all that stuff. And, and it really tries to get that perfect fuel, air fuel mixture ratio all the time. Um, you know, there's like the Hamilton system that has timing control also. Um, you know, if your distributor has a vacuum advance and it's working like it's supposed to, I'm not sure the timing control of Hamilton's is, is worth it or is a necessary thing. I, I don't know. Um, it just depends. Some guys like the idea of timing control. I, I'm not there yet because there's not enough other sensors. You know, timing control is great when you have cam position sensor and a crank sensor and, you know, map sensor along with an air intake temp sensor. Uh, and a knock sensor, you know, like the more data that you can give the engine, then yes, I, I think a timing control set it system or even, a you know, a coil pack set up like on a LS is, is where you want to go. But on our engines where there's no, you know, the only thing that sets the timing, um, on a, on a early system is is throttle position and manifold you know map which is the vacuum you know it reads the manifold vacuum so if your distributor already has a you know good working vacuum advance i feel like it's the same thing um you know i'm sure there's some improvements that are made there with the computerization but I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not a hundred percent sold on it. Seeing how, you know, the sniper, which is fuel only is getting pretty much the same results as a time system, a fully computerized system. So I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm still on the fence about it, but, uh, either way, an improved fuel delivery method, uh, will net you, um, increased, gains and reliability most of the time um anytime you introduce computers to anything old you run the risk of becoming less reliable but um i don't know manufacturers spend a lot of money on making sure their stuff isn't junk so we'll you know just keep watching that but that's the next step you know is is updating updating the fuel delivery to be even more uh efficient and then finally, you know, the last step is a full powertrain conversion. Uh, you know, you put an LS, you know, in a in a Scout 2, you're going to get 20, 20 plus miles a gallon, uh, especially if you do like a 4.8, the little guy. The, they get pretty good economy um, for a gas engine. Uh, you know, our Mercedes diesel conversion we did, if you haven't seen that, there's a YouTube video about it. Um, that guy's getting like 27 to 30 miles a gallon with his setup. And uh, that has a Toyota five speed behind it. So, you know, you can get 30 miles to the gallon um, in a diesel scout. That's pretty good. That's like, I would, I would be tickled with that. 
and yeah, you know, you guys with the Scout 2s that have the Nissan diesels, um, you know, you guys can get pretty good economy too. I know the NA trucks, the non-turbo ones, they are pretty doggy and you got to run them with your foot in the floor all the time. And I think you're getting about 22 miles a gallon. So, you know, that's doable. Again, all the stuff I talk about applies to that as well. You know, the diesel scouts, you get you know, good filters, good air filter, good clean, cold air coming in. And, uh, you know, all that stuff helps with your economy. Uh, the turbo diesels as well, the 1980s, you know, um, just good airflow, good fluid, um, clean fuel that'll help with your economy. And I think the turbo diesel scouts are getting 22 to 24, I think. Um, I don't know. I've, I've only had a couple come through here and I've only got to drive them a little bit and not long term to where I could actually track the economy. But I do know the Mercedes diesel, which is a little bit smaller than the, the Nissan diesel, but it has a different RPM range. It, it runs almost like a gasser. So, um, it, you know, that's, that's probably the end all. Cause I know like the four BT Cummins guys are guys really were hot for those for a while. I think they're only getting in the low twenties as well. They get, they can make tons of power, like a lot of stupid power, but, um, I think as far as economy goes, they're fairly low not low, I should say. That's 20, 22 is, is good. That's not low at all. I think the DT360 in my black truck, when I'm running empty, I'm getting about 18 miles a gallon, 19. Uh, I weigh 8,000 pounds also, so I'm pretty stoked with that. Um, but you know, there is the 2.8 liter Cummins that's out there. That little guy, you know, coupled with a five or six speed manual, they're getting mid twenties, I believe mid to high twenties, uh, on those as well. They're a fully computer controlled motor. Uh, a lot of the diesel options that I had been recommending were all mechanical, um, just to help with the ease of maintenance and, and reliability. Cause I think we're still, we're on the early, I know it's been 10 years, but the computerized diesels are still evolving and they're getting better. They're getting a lot better, but, uh, the early days of them, you know, they weren't the most reliable and, and I know you still see it in like the heavy trucks where they put a lot of miles on, on a, a big rig that's all computerized and they have a fair amount of, of, uh, computer problems, you know, uh, sensor failures and things like that. And it'll, it'll, uh, strand you quick. And so a lot of my suggestions are all older mechanical motors so that, you know, something actually has to physically break to strand you. Um, but that's, again, that's kind of my preference and, and just my experience because man nothing's more helpless than being broke down on the side of the road or at the gas station and and you can't fix it you you literally there the problem you have is some sensor that you need a code reader to figure out what it is and you know it's a it's buried deep inside of an engine like that is the most helpless feeling ever but you know when it's a mechanical motor and I mean, even changing an injection pump on a Cummins, that sucks. 
but you can do it in a parking lot with tools that you can buy at O'Reilly's, like if you're desperate. So that's just how I look at some of that stuff. But as far as economy goes, um, yeah, the small diesel is the end all of, of mileage. Um, you know, there are trade-offs like noise and smell and vibration, uh, and then the cost of the initial conversion too. So if you, you know, if you're thinking long-term and you're going to have your rig for a long time, and we all know that fuel is never going to go back down to 99 cents a gallon. Uh, so it might be worth that, that thought of doing a diesel conversion or LS swap at, you know, the next level down if uh, you're okay with that and you want to keep driving your rig all the time i mean that's why i believe that anything scout uh, drivability conversions do so well um, is not only because they do a great job and they handle well and drive well it's that the mileage and the horsepower you get out of the ls setups um, is is a nice benefit over the stock you know 304 power and economy so anyway hopefully you guys learned something uh, made some sense of it all i know there's only so much efficiency you can get out of a brick going down the highway so yeah i mean take it for what it is there's some pain that you're gonna have just for owning an old rig it's just what it is that's just the cost of entry um you know if you if you can't handle fuel costs and whatnot, then it might be time to get out of that rig and into something, you know, geometro or something a little more economical, but, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you can afford it. And, um, the things that I've suggested gives you some ideas and, uh, hopefully saves you a few dollars. So anyway, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can uh, message me on the socials. Uh, you can always donate to Patreon. And if you haven't liked or subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that because every little bit helps. And uh, until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard.